All right, good morning. Um, good morning, Anthem Church and uh, everybody else who might be joining us. My name is my name is Luke Hedinger. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and I just want to say, first of all, um, man, praise God. I know that I know that Pastor Matt and Stan um, have said it already, but but I praise God that even in the midst of this time, we can still gather together in this way. Um, Praise God that, that I still get to come to, to, into wherever you are and that we, I mean, we have this, this capability that I get to come and, and be in your presence um, no matter where you're at. If you're on your couch in your pajamas enjoying a cup of coffee, um, praise God that the people of God still get to gather together. And I've said it, I've said a lot of times in the past, I'm sure, um, but it, it doesn't feel, it feels more true now than ever that that the church isn't just about a body. It's not. It's not about a place or a building. It's the the body of Christ. It's the people. So praise God for that. If you if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter eight. Acts chapter eight is where we're going to be at this morning. And if you're new to us, if you're new to to Anthem, what we do is we we go through one book of the Bible. Um, week by week, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and we just say, okay, what, what does God's word have for us this morning? And a few weeks ago, we started in the book of Acts, and this morning, we're in Acts chapter 8, and as you turn there, the question that I kept thinking as I was, as I was studying through this passage is, what does it look like, what does it look like to be people on mission, even if we haven't been commissioned? What does it look like to be people on mission, even if we haven't been commissioned? Now, what I mean by commission, when I think of commission, I think of some, um, some act where somebody with power, you know, puts their hand on somebody that doesn't have power and gives them power, gives them direction, says, go, I want you to go to this place. I want you to do this thing. I want you to, I want you to be here. It's this, it's this official thing, right? And, and uh, if, if you've been in the church long or if you've, if you've grown up in the church, you might be saying, yeah, but Luke, we, we have a commission, right? As Christians, we have a commission, and we actually have something in the Bible called the Great Commission, right? Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. If you've, if you've heard a missionary uh, preach or somebody talk about missions, you've probably heard a sermon preached about Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And it's where Jesus says, says, all power and authority has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them. And, and he is commissioning his disciples, which that commissioning, it does, it, it's our commissioning too as well. And yet at times, if I'm honest, that commissioning can kind of feel like, like your mom telling you that you can be on the basketball team, you know, or, or your mom telling you that you're special, which praise God for my mom, right? Um, but, you know, it's like, well, thanks, mom, but that doesn't really feel like it, that doesn't propel me to do anything, right? You don't know anything about basketball, um, and I'm not good at basketball, and so that's, that's kind of what it feels like, right? And very few of us have had this um, commissioning experience, and so what, can, what that can lead us to is to kind of be in this holding place or be in this place where it's like, well, well ministry is done by those people who are commissioned. Ministry is done by those people who, who have been specifically sent out or, or who have been given power, who have been given authority. They, it's, it's, it's for those people, not, not for me, not for my time, not for, not for where I'm at. And yet what I see here in Acts chapter 8 is I see people going out on mission even though they haven't been formally commissioned. And my question is, what is that about? How, how do we do that? How do we be that? And what I see, and here's kind of the big idea, as I see these people going out on mission, if, you, if you're at home, hopefully you have your notebook with you, and if you're a note taker, here's what I want you to remember, is that being on mission means being in step with God. 
being on mission means being in step with God. And, and so what does it look like to be in step with God? Because I want us to be people on mission. Where we're at right now, I want us to be people on mission. So, so what does it mean to be in step with God? Go ahead and read with me Acts chapter 8, starting with verse 1. It says, and Saul approved of his execution. That's kind of the, the end of, of chapter 7. But Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. That being in step with God means that, that we see opportunity where others see only obstacles. Okay? It means that we see opportunity where others see only obstacles. If you, if you look at this, I mean, uh, again, verse 1, it's, it's, this persecution begins, and we're kind of in the middle of this story. What happened in Acts chapter 7, as Stan taught last week, is that Stephen, one of the leaders in the church in Jerusalem, he, he had this amazing testimony. He's preaching about Jesus. He's sharing the gospel, the good news about Jesus, and he's killed. And so, so then, then his, his murder, his execution, then sparks this, this trial and tribulation, this, this persecution on the whole church. And so now people are being scattered. And it says they're, they're starting in Jerusalem, and they're being scattered throughout the re- region of Judea and Samaria. And, and as I was reading that, the first time I read it, hopefully maybe you're picking up on it, it's like, man, I've, I've heard that before. I've heard that, that kind of uh, going from region to region before. And, and if you're saying that, then you're right. It's from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is where Jesus is talking to his disciples, and, and it says this, but you will receive power. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? that? That the progression of the gospel in Acts chapter 1, where Jesus is saying, this is my mission for you, it's the same progression that we see here in Acts 8 when, when persecution is causing the church to scatter. Now, if I were a leader in the early church, I would see this as, as purely an obstacle, okay? I mean, this is a tragedy that Stephen was killed, that, that people are being thrown in prison. This is a tragedy. No way around it. And yet, at the same time, as people are being scattered, they're going to these places that Jesus is saying, this is where I want you to go. This is where I want to, to be a witness. This is, these are the people and these are the places that I want to know about the good news. See, if I were a leader in the church, I'd be thinking, before this point, I'd be thinking, man, we have got it, Right? People are gathering. I mean, there. if you read through the beginning of Acts, there are thousands of people coming together. I, I can't imagine if I was preaching and then like 3,000 people came to know Jesus. That would be insane, right? That would be ridiculous. And over and over, we see that happening. And, and they're, they're enjoying community and, and they're selling their goods and everybody's being taken care of, right? And yet, then this happens. And if I were a leader, I'd be saying, man, what do we, what do, we do now? Everything that we wanted to have happen, it was happening, and now there's an obstacle to the gathering. There's an obstacle to the community. There's an obstacle to all those things. But what I want us to see, what I want you to see, is that Jesus' plan for his church wasn't just to be a people who gathered. It's not just to be a people who gathered. I mean, that's part of it. But Jesus' plan for his church was to be salt and light that was scattered. Did you catch that? It's to be salt and light that goes out. It's not just to come in and have awesome community and to be taken care of, but it's to go out and take his word and take the gospel. And we see that happening. If you, if you read on 
In verse 4 it says, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. See, they're, they're gathering together and all of a sudden there's this obstacle in the way and yet God is saying, no, this is an opportunity. And we see Luke, the author of Acts, he sees it as a launching pad. Saying, yes, this, this is hard and these things, these things are hard and yet what we see in this persecution as, as people are, the people who are scattering, they're going out preaching. They're not, they're not having their heads hang low. They're not, they're not going out meekly. They're going out boldly in the gospel. See, this, this persecution is, I've, I've heard it said before, that in, in literature there's these things called inciting incidents. They're the things that, that happen to people that cause, that cause growth, that cause the story to go forward. I mean, it, it, you know, it's Frodo, Lord of the Rings, Frodo. It, it's him being given the ring that sets him on his journey to Mordor. Lucy and the lion, the witch in the wardrobe, it's her stepping through the wardrobe that leads to Narnia. Tony Stark, right? Tony Stark in, uh, uh, you know, Iron Man. It's him getting kidnapped. It seems like this incredible obstacle that actually leads him to become who he's going to become, Iron Man. You see, my, my question for you as we, as we think about what does it look like to be on mission, could there be things happening in your life right now that may seem like an obstacle right? may seem like an obstacle, and yet God is saying, no, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for the church to be the church. Everything's being shut down right now. I, I, I'd be lying if I, I said that I wasn't fearful at times. Man, I, I, I'd be lying if I said that. And yet the reality is that even though everything's canceled, NHL is canceled, NBA is canceled, March Madness is canceled, all the uh, class is canceled, the, the dorms are shut down, all these things are shut down and canceled, but here's the reality, your life is not canceled, our mission is not canceled. To be on, in step with God is to see that, that when I can only see obstacles, God is, God is creating an opportunity. Let's, let's, keep, let's keep reading. Verse 5. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Okay, see, what Luke is doing, the author of Acts, what he's doing now is he's, he said, those who were scattered went about preaching preaching the word. Now he's following one man who's, who's being scattered. And he's, he, it's almost like he's saying, for example, let's look at Philip. And he follows Philip. And, and, and first of all, I think we have to look at like, well, who's Philip, right? Who, who is this guy? And if you, if you read in Acts chapter six, Philip was w- one of the ones with Stephen who was, who was set apart by the rest of the congregation in Jerusalem to help, help make sure the widows were being fed. But here's, here's the other thing. Most likely with Philip, most likely he was, he was a Hellenistic Jew. And, and Stan talked a little bit about the Hellenists last week. But, but the Hellenists, if you, weren't, if you weren't with us or if you didn't hear, the Hellenists were these people who in, in 332 B.C., um, Alexander the Great, he came in and conquered Jerusalem. And, and one, of, one of his strategies, Alexander the Great, was to take people from the place he conquered and take them back to Greece and kind of inundate them with Greek culture. And, and teach them the Greek language and teach them the, the Greek worship and Greek ways to do things. And then he would bring them back to the culture and, and kind of um, insert them into the culture to try and change that culture into a, a Greek culture. 
See, this, this happened generations before, 300, over 300 years before this moment. And, and most likely Philip was one of these guys that uh, his family was taken away. And so he most likely didn't even speak Hebrew. He spoke Greek. Most likely he couldn't even read the Old Testament, the, the scripture that they had in the original Hebrew language. He, he could only read Greek most likely. And so, so the, you know, there, there's all these things where it's like most likely, you know, I, I don't know. I'm from a small town, Brashear, Missouri. Um, I don't know, some people maybe from Brashear are watching this, but, but I'm from a small town. In a small town, you see somebody doing something, and then it's like, oh, they probably do this too. If they drive fast, oh, I bet they smoke. If they, you know, I, I don't know what it is. But, but most likely, this Philip, this guy, his family was one that was taken away. They, their, their ethnic culture was compromised, and so most likely the, the thought in the Jewish culture was, well, probably his spiritual culture is compromised too. Spiritually, he's probably less than we are too. So what I'm saying in all this is Philip wasn't necessarily the right guy, right? This isn't the right time. I mean, all this persecution's happening. Philip's not necessarily the right guy. And look at where he goes to. I mean, he, he goes and he's preaching into the, in the cities of Samaria. Now, historically... Samaria, the Samaritans, I mean, we, we read the, the woman at the well, she was a Samaritan woman. The, the good Samaritan, obviously the hero of the story, is a Samaritan. But the Samaritans historically were people that the Jews hated. The, and, and likewise, they hated the Jews. And the reason was, it was because they, they took the worship of the one true God and kind of mixed it with everything else. They, they were people who, who were kind of oppressed and then became oppressors. They, they mixed the true religion. They, they did all these different things. And so there was this extreme animosity, this hatred from the Jews to the Samaritans and, and vice versa. And so Philip is going into these places and, and see what happens. As in the wrong time, the supposedly wrong person goes to the wrong people. God does extraordinary things. People are set free spiritually. People are set free physically. Uh, I mean, just incredible things are happening as Philip goes and preaches. And, and here's, what, here's what I think we need to see in this as we're thinking about being on mission. Because being in step with God means we focus on all, the, all the, the reasons why he can instead of all the reasons why we can't, okay? Because I think, as, as I think about my life, there are often times where I can look at all these different things and I, you know, it's like maybe an opportunity arises for me to say something, for me to do something. And I think, well, you know, it's just not the right time, right? I'm, I'm in a hurry or, or I'm in the store or I'm doing, you know, I've got all these other things, just not the right time. Or, or maybe it's like, well, I'm not the right person to say that. I mean, who am I, right? I don't have all this stuff figured out. I've, I've got this and this and this going on in my life. It's just, I'm not the right person. Or maybe we think, well, I mean, they're not the right people for that message, surely. I mean, they, they're not going to receive that. They're not going to accept that. See, there's all these different reasons why, why we might think that we can't, and yet being in step with the Spirit, instead of focusing on why we can't, focuses on why He can. And, and the reason why he can, we have it all throughout Scripture. I mean, you think about, think about stories like Esther. I love the story of Esther, where, where Esther is this Jewish girl turns queen, and where, where the, I mean, there's this incredible um, catastrophe that's about to befall her people. And her uncle Mordecai pulls her aside and says, you, you have been prepared for this moment, for this time. You have to do something. If you don't, God's going to continue to work. But this is your time. And even though she didn't feel like the right person, it didn't feel like the right time. There's all these obstacles in front of her. She said, 
she said, okay. If this is where God has me, if this is what, if this is what God has for me, I'm going to take steps in this. See, the reality, Christian, the reality is uh, 2 Peter 1 verse 3 says this, His divine power has granted to us, Christian, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Did you catch that? It says, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have put your trust in him, it says his divine power has granted to us, to you, all things that pertain to life and godliness. See, you, even even if it might be the wrong time, even if you might feel like the wrong person, even if it might feel like the, the wrong people are around you, I believe God does incredible things with ordinary people over and over and over again. It reminds me of uh, when I was uh, in Sumner, Iowa, as a pastor in Sumner, Iowa, and I was at the pool with, uh, with my kids, you know, the community pool, and I was at the pool with my kids, and, and we were swimming, enjoying the time, and, and I mean, the pool was packed, because small town Iowa, hot summer day, that's all you had to do, and so, so I'm swimming with my kids, and my kids are super little at the time, and all of a sudden, this song comes over the, the loudspeakers, and it's a, it's a terrible, vulgar song, and, and here I am with my kids, there's all these community, I'm a pastor, and I'm just thinking, Somebody needs to somebody needs to stop this. Somebody needs to say something, right? Somebody needs to to shut this. This is terrible. This is a terrible song. And as the song, you, you, maybe you know how this goes. As the song goes on, I kept thinking, I can't believe I can't I can't believe these people. Nobody's saying anything. I can't believe these people. Nobody's doing anything. And in in my self righteousness, I felt like God just kind of you know like gently kind of smacked me upside the head and said, hey, you're somebody. I thought, oh, oh yeah, that's right. See, in this moment, I believe God is maybe gently, gently prodding us and saying, you are somebody. And, and I, am, I am working and I am moving in this moment. Will you, will you allow yourself to be moved? See, see, being in step with God means focusing on why he can instead of, instead of why you can't. But let's, let's keep going. We have more. Verse 9. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him for the, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip, and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Let's stop there, okay? So, so what we see is that, uh, Luke, as he's, as he's recording this, kind of he's saying, all right, let's, let's stop, let's back up a little bit. Let me, let me fill you in on the why behind the response. He's saying, before Philip came, this is what was going on. Before Philip came, there was this man named Simon, and Simon was a magician. And I don't know if he did, like, just amazing card tricks or, or what, what he did. But, I mean, it, it's pretty intense. Like, I don't, I don't, there's the, culturally, there's these people who, who most likely in this culture were, were like shamans or medicine men. And, and that's most likely what Simon was. But whatever he was, he not only called himself something great, but did you see that? He says, it says that they all paid attention from the least to the greatest. 
Everybody paid attention to Simon. And that, and that word, I don't know if you caught it, but in verse 10, it says they all paid attention. In verse 11, it says they all paid attention. It's the same, it's the same phrase that in verse 6 says, and the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. Repeated three times. See, that, that phrase, attention, it means giving oneself over to. It means, it means I'm, I'm joining myself with you. And so in this culture, we see that, that Philip is a guy that has the hearts and the minds of the people. And, or Simon has the hearts and the minds of the people. But when Philip comes in and he preaches, they, they turn from Simon to Jesus. Now, now, when I think about this, and if I were, if I were Philip, I'd be like, man, this is going to be really hard, right? Because this guy, they've, they, they're inundated with this cult-type magic and all these different things. But the reality was, is that God, I believe God was teeing them up. He was preparing them because what it says is that they, they, they said that this is the power of God that is called great. God was teeing them up, and they were saying, man, this is something that God is doing. Looking at Simon. They were teed up to want to see God. Do you see that? They were wanting to see God work and move. They wanted to see power. And when Philip came in, then all of them said, wait, we thought this. We thought this was the power of God. But that's not this. And we're turning to this. We want to go to this. You see, God had prepared them. God had, God had given them a hunger to see the power God had given them a hunger. It's almost like my kids going from eating like mashed peas, you know, baby food, eating mashed peas to, to eating meat, you know, and, and they go from, I, I don't know, I don't remember what the progression was. That was a long time ago, but they go from eating mashed up stuff to eating like hot dogs, right? And, and when they eat a hot dog, it's like, ooh, that hot dog is really good, but what's that? And it's like, well, that's a hamburger. And, oh, I want to try a hamburger. It's like, oh, a hamburger is really good, but what's that? Well, that's a steak and kids can't have steak. I'm kidding, but it's like, no, that's a, that's a hamburger. Well, that's a steak. Well, can I try that? Well, sure, here's a steak. And then it's like, oh, I like the steak. You, are you telling me there's other places that make steak even better than this, right? It, it's almost like what they had before prepared them to want more, prepared them to say, this is something, but, but what's that? See, Guys, we are in a cultural moment. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, where, where you're talking to somebody and you're, you're saying, and, and they respond by saying, man, it's crazy that you say that because, because my mom was just saying the same thing. It's crazy that you said that because I'm going through this thing right now in my life and I've been really fearful and, and, and I can't believe you, you just knew what to say. I was talking to a guy outside of our church here a few months ago and we were trying to figure out how to get him help and all these different things. And as I was talking to him, I started to, I just asked him, hey, can I pray for you? And I just kept thinking, God, what are the words that you want me to speak over this man? And as I was praying, I kept praying and I, and I was just talking, like started praying and talking about how Jesus is the light and how he can come into the darkness and, and, and just uh, how he is the, the one who, who gives security, how he's the one who gives freedom. And as I was praying and as we, as we continued to talk, he said, man, You've been reading my mail. He's like, and he started telling me his story and how he talked about his grandma and his experience with his, with his parents and now where he's at right now in his life. And I didn't know, I didn't know that, that God had been preparing his heart for the words that God gave me to say in that moment. But God was already working. See, what I want us to understand, what I want you to understand is that when we, like, I don't know if you've ever been on a mission trip before and we have this, this mindset, it's like, oh, we're going to take Jesus to Southeast Asia. And it's like, well, that's, that's just wrong, right? 
Jesus is already there. Jesus, what, what it means to be in step with God, because if we're going to be people on mission, we need to be in step with God. What it means to be in step with God is to understand God is already working. God is already working. He's teeing people up. People right now are fearful. People right now are afraid of what's going to happen in, in the economy. People are, are afraid of if they're going to survive. There's all these things that are happening. And I, I believe that God is teeing us up because we have a message of hope through Jesus Christ. Right? We have a message of hope. And I, love, I was listening to the Veritas Iowa City podcast this past week. And one of the pastors, Drew Stevenson, he's a pastor in our network in, up in Minneapolis. He said this, speaking of, of the current generation, he says, this is that moment for this generation. And a lot of them are, are just oblivious to the moment. This is the moment. This is a moment in our generation where, people, where God is just preparing people to hear, to be open to the truth. Right? He is working. And, and to be in step with God is to recognize that I just have to be faithful because he's already working. He's doing it. But that's not, that's not where we stop. We continue to talk about Simon, verse 14. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem, hopefully you're there. I know I talk fast. Verse 14. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Okay, just stop there. I don't feel like I can rush past this without giving a little bit of an explanation. Because what we see, and I mean, I've never had this experience. I've never had somebody lay their hands on me, and then the Holy Spirit come and do some crazy things in my life. And, and I don't think that that's what this is prescribing. I think, that, I think what Luke is, is doing is he's describing what is happening in the expansion of the church. Okay, again, Jesus, his plan was, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. We saw the spirit fall with power in Jerusalem and then the regions of Judea and Samaria. And what we see here is, is Peter and John, the church, they are coming to, to these people and they're laying their hands, they're praying. And as the, as the church is expanding, God is just affirming what's already happening. And then we see it again in Acts chapter 19 in Ephesus where Paul goes and he lays his hands on them and the spirit comes in power as well representing the fact that Ephesus is like the ends of the earth for them. So what, what Luke is recording here is God's affirmation of the expansion of the church. Okay, This isn't, this isn't you like you Facebooking us or texting me and say, hey, I've never had this experience. Can, can the elders come over to my house tonight because I want the Holy Spirit to come in power? That's not what we're talking about. This is God affirming the expansion of his church. Okay, so let's continue to read verse 18. Now, when Simon saw that the spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, give me this power also, so that anyone whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Verse 25, Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. What I want you to see there is we're talking about being in step with God, 
right? That's what it means to be on mission. It means to be in step with God. What we see here is an example of what it looks like to be out of step with God, okay? Peter and John, they come, they're, they're praying, they're laying their hands on people. The spirit is coming in power. And we see this man, Simon, who once had the hearts and minds of the people, who once, once claimed to be something, everybody else claimed that he was something, and he's seeing what's being done. He's seeing what's being given. But do you catch that? I, hopefully you caught that. Instead of saying, I want what you're giving. I want the Holy Spirit. I want to be a person who, who, is, who is changed from the inside out. Instead of, instead of desiring the Spirit, he desires to be one who isn't given, but is the one giving. Do you see that? It's almost like Simon saying, I, I want to be someone again. I want to be someone again who has the hearts and minds of the people. I want to be someone again who everybody looks to and says, man, look at Simon. Oh, yeah, Simon, you're great, right? Look at Simon. Simon's just wonderful. Simon can lay his hands on people and do crazy things. Look at He wants the hearts and minds of people again. He wants to take the spotlight. You see what, what it means when we are out of step with God, oftentimes that means taking the spotlight for ourselves instead of giving God the spotlight that he deserves. See, we see this all the time. I mean, I remember, I remember uh, for with, I mean, being a kid, I remember, uh, I don't remember how old I was, but I remember at my sister's birthday parties, um, I can still remember my grandma, specifically grandma, maybe mom too, I don't know, but I can specifically remember my grandma making me my own cake during my sister's birthday party. <laughs> I can, even remember, I can even remember getting a few gifts during my sister's birthday party. Now, that's ridiculous, right? I was spoiled rotten. It's true. But, like, why did they do that? Why did they accommodate that? I think the reason is, is because I couldn't stand not being the center of attention. I couldn't stand not being the one that everybody sang to. I couldn't stand not being the one that people would give things to. I couldn't stand not being that person. And you see, it's really annoying when we see it in kids, right? It's really annoying when we see it in kids, and yet it is detrimental when we see it in the church. Paul talks about it in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 15, where he says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. He's saying you have been freed. You've been freed from your sin. You've been freed from all those things through Jesus Christ. But don't use your freedom to just prop up your flesh. Don't use your freedom to take the spotlight. Instead, what does he say? But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Guys, what he's saying there is he's describing things that we've seen in a lot of different churches. This, this desire to say, but, but I need to be somebody. But I want people to look to me. I want to have the spot of power. I want to have the spotlight. I want to be in that place. And what Paul is saying is he's saying, if you continue down that path, if you continue this kind of one-upmanship, instead of allowing God to take center stage, you will devour each other. You will be destroyed by that attitude. And it's the same thing that Peter tells Simon. He says, your heart is not right. If you want to take the spotlight, he's saying your heart is not right. Your heart is not in this. It is not about you, Simon. It's about God. It's about God doing amazing things through ordinary people. And you want to be something extraordinary. And God will not share his glory with, with people. 
God will not share his glory. He will not share his spotlight because we, we, don't, have, we don't have space to take up God's spotlight. Come on now, right? And you see, there is hope in that though. There's hope for Simon. There's hope for us. There's hope for me when I, when I have a tendency to take, try and take God's spotlight because I'm not, I'm not so good to stand up here and say that I've never been guilty of this. Man, there are times where my heart wants the spotlight. There are times where my heart is, it feels like, like I'm, I don't know, I, I, I'm like in danger of losing people's attention. Yet there's hope for us in that. I don't know if you caught that. There's hope for Simon. There's hope for me. There's hope. Verse 22, again, Peter says, repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours. And pray to the Lord that if it's possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. He says, repent. This, this word, it means turn. He's saying, look, you're going down a path that you're, you're living out your own mission. You're living out your own life. You're building your own little kingdom. You're, you're allowing fear. You're allowing all these different things to, to arrest your heart and take you out of the story God is writing and what Peter says, and it's the it's message for you and it's the message for me. He says, repent, turn from that. But turn towards what? Turn to Jesus, Right, turn to God. This idea, he says, he says, repent, and 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 Paul says in Philippians two verses five through seven, he says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Paul says, have that mind among yourselves. Don't try and take the spotlight. That puts us at odds with God, not in step with Him. And you see, what did Jesus do? What is the hope that we have? What is the the thing that that Jesus did? He emptied himself, as Philippians 2 says, but also in Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 7. I'm trying to turn there with a microphone in my hand. Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 7 says this. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, so even when we were dead in our sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming age he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith. You see, that's the hope that we have in Christ. That even when we try and steal the spotlight, we can turn from that and we can turn towards Jesus and find healing and forgiveness for our sins. You see, the question for us this morning, the question that I started with is what does it look like for us to be people on mission? Even if, even if we haven't been commissioned, what does that look like? What it looks like is to be in step with God. It means to be in step with God. It means that, that, that we see opportunities where others only see obstacles. It means that, that we don't just get focused on why we can't or why it's the wrong time or why they're the wrong people, but we're focusing on the fact that God is already working. He's teeing it up for us, for me, and for you. He's teeing it up for us. And all we have to do is take those steps in faith so that we can continue to be the church that steps out of the way and says, let me show you God. Let me, let me introduce you to Jesus. 
As we go around to our neighbors for, with a safe distance, as we go around to our neighbors, we can say, hey, is there anything, like Pastor Matt talked about, is there anything that I can do for you? And we show them God. We show them Jesus. We show them love in the midst of a time that is it is so surreal and, and confusing, and we don't know what's going to happen. And yet, Christian, here's the thing that I, that I believe that each and every one of us need to ask ourselves. We need to stop asking ourselves, where is God leading me? And we need to stop, start asking ourselves, where does God have me? Where does God have me right now? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Nick and Kenya. They're going to come up. We're going to sing a few songs together to kind of close out our time. But as they come up, I just want to ask you, where are you at this morning? In your home? I, I know physically. Well, I don't know physically where you're at. But where are you at spiritually? Where are you at with God? Maybe, maybe you're a person, you haven't been commissioned, and you're saying, but Luke, you don't, you don't know my story. You don't know where I'm at. You don't know what I've been through. I don't have anybody saying, go here, do that. But here's the thing. Is God working through this time to give you an opportunity to show people who he is, you might be the wrong person. It's a really difficult time, and they might be the wrong people. And yet God is a God who has a plan and a purpose for this moment. Church, this is our moment. This is our moment to show people the hope that we have in Jesus. So, I want you to stop wondering where he will lead you and start wondering where he has you right now. Can, can we pray? Can you pray with me? God, I, I praise you. Even though we, we live in a moment that is so confusing and it's scary and it's frustrating and we don't know what's gonna happen, God. We don't know what's gonna happen. We don't know what's gonna happen a few hours from now feels like everything keeps changing. God, I know that there are people who own businesses that are afraid of, of what this is gonna mean for them. God, I know that I have friends right now who are, who are all holed up together in a house under quarantine and they don't know what their future's gonna, gonna be like. God, God, as I think about the, the health struggles of my own family, God, I, I, don't know what, I don't know what the future holds. And yet, God, I believe that you are raising up um, us for this moment. And God, I pray, I pray that you would help us to be people of faith that are in step with you, God. We are people who, who are saying, God, I wanna be on mission with you. I wanna be in step with you. And so I'm just gonna take these steps of faith. I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take these steps no matter what they are today, no matter what they are this morning, no matter what they are this afternoon, what they are this, this next week. Will you, in this moment, will you say, God, here I am, use me. And God, I know that there are probably people listening who are joining us right now who don't know you yet. And so God, I pray if that's true, I pray right now that you would, that you would speak into their places of fear. God, that you would speak into the places where they thought were secure. And God, I pray that you would help them to see that you are the only thing that's secure. And you emptied yourself out to come and die a death that we deserve so that we might have life with you. Bless them, God. Help them. Help us to truly know and experience who you are. We 
love you, God. We praise you. And it's all to you. It's all to you.